Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York Airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Fizz Nation, the biggest day of the year is upon us. It is time for the Duke game coming up at 8 o'clock later tonight inside the Dome, and we're here to get you ready for it on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz. It is going to be a fun one tonight, Thomas, but unfortunately it could have been a six-game winning streak going into this game against Duke. Instead, it's a one-game losing streak. Syracuse falling to Clemson on the road earlier this week. Yeah, it kind of deflates the game a little bit. I, you really come in as one of the top teams in the ACC. You're beating up on all this competition that earlier in the year you weren't and that maybe this team should have been doing, and now you get to play Duke, and it's a little bit deflating. Duke's really good. They've got Vernon Carey, who I think is going to be pretty problematic in this game, J.D. Yeah, I, I certainly would, would think the same, especially after the performance and the way that Clemson beat Syracuse back on what was it Wednesday night mm-hmm. down in South Carolina Tuesday. or Tuesday night down in South Carolina 71-70 the final uh, ACC road loss number one of the season for Syracuse so that's an impressive streak that also comes to a screeching halt in that game for the Orange and really Tevin Mack was just a complete and utter issue for Syracuse grad student big guy one of the bigger guys on the Clemson roster they don't have a ton of big guys but he's 6'7", 6'8", muscular and he just made an absolute living out of the ACC logo. Just sat there, caught the ball, turnaround jumper. Sat there, head fake, got by you for a dunk. A couple of good passes here and there from from Clemson but and from his teammates, but he just absolutely dominated the game and completely changed the complexion of the entire contest. And that's really what Jim Beheim said after the game, said the fact of the matter is, and we'll get to some other things that kind of doomed Syracuse down the stretch, But the fact of the matter is we just couldn't contain Tevin Mack, and we had no answer for him. And that's unfortunate because over the five-game winning streak, Syracuse had kind of righted its wrongs in each one of those games. Like against Notre Dame, they really struggled against John Mooney in the first game at the Dome. They kind of contained him against Notre Dame in South Bend, and they kind of were trying to start to figure it out how to defend these bigger guys. And with a guy like Vernon Carey on the horizon, you wanted to see that out of Syracuse on Tuesday against Clemson, and you just simply did not get it. You just got a big man dominating once again on the interior. Yeah, I mean, Tevin Mack, he's only six foot six. He's 227 pounds, so he's a big guy. But when you've got guys like Barabas, Debe, Merrick, Dolajai, Quincy Garrier to some extent, you need those guys to, well, first of all, not foul out in this game. That was a huge factor in this one. That's probably why they lost to Clemson, a team that they should beat. Against Vernon Carey, this is a guy that they haven't played somebody as good as him. I'm going to say he's better than John Mooney, who's probably the best big man they played and gave them loads of trouble. Barama Stebe and Merrick Dolajai, I'm sure Jim Beheim and the staff have been hammering in practice all week. You cannot foul. You cannot foul Sidibe all year long. Instead of putting his hands straight up, he's kind of putting him at a 45-degree angle or so. It's so frustrating to watch because he has good position 95% of the time. His feet are good. His feet are pretty good for, uh, you know, uh, he moves pretty well for a big man, but it's going over the top and slapping people. And and it's not like it's actually affecting the shot. It's just a a foul for the sake of a foul. Yeah, it's crazy. And against Vernon Carey, those aren't just going to turn into fouls. Those are going to be and once. Vernon Carey has 60 pounds on Barama Sidibe. 
Syracuse avoided that with not having to play Zion Williamson last year when they upset Duke at Cameron Indoor. They're going to have to face Vernon Carey, and I uh, look, I, I just don't see this game going the way that a lot of Syracuse fans would like it to go. We'll get to the Duke game in a little bit, but I want to go back to this loss to Clemson. There was, of course, also the win against Pitt in which Buddy Beheim showed he was better the enti- than the entire Pitt basketball team in the first half. At one point, he was outscoring the Panthers 18-15 to by himself, and just his the way he's turned his game on over the last however many games, probably over the last six or seven games, dating back to the start of the winning streak against Virginia down in Charlottesville a couple of weeks ago, has been really, really impressive. But as much as I want to say uh, you know, he had a great game against Clemson, he had a great game during this stretch, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of how this winning streak really came to a close, and it came to a close in heartbreaking fashion. And I want to go back to something that you mentioned briefly, but probably I think was the turning point of the game, and that's the fact that Mark Dolajai and Barama Sidibe both foul out of this game. That means Jesse Edwards has to play mega minutes down the stretch. And, and to be quite frank, he looked kind of lost out there at times. And you also have to take into account how much Jesse Edwards has to play. It's not like... Mark and Barama foul out with two minutes and 30 seconds left each, and Jesse has to come in for one play. Mark fouls out with just about eight minutes left in the game. That forces Quincy Garrier into the game, another true freshman. And then Barama fouls out maybe three minutes later. So almost six minutes that Jesse Edwards has to be the guy on the road in the ACC as a true freshman. I think that this game is very indicative, especially this loss, is very indicative of just how important Marek Dolajai is to this team. He's not putting up the most wild, baffling stat line there's ever been. But I think right now, and I I made this point on Twitter when I was uh, tweeting on Orange Fizz for the game, I think he's the MVP of this team. And you might say, well, no, obviously that's Elijah Hughes. I mean, he's second in the ACC in scoring, and he's putting up ridiculous numbers. He's the most valuable player to me, Marek Dolajai. Elijah might be the most outstanding player, but the most valuable player, and you saw it firsthand against Clemson, is Dolajai, just because of who comes in after him. Yeah, I, I can see it. I do. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Quincy Garrier. Quincy Garrier is going to be a very good player later on in his Syracuse career. He's not Mark Dolajai right now. Nobody on this team is. I think Dolajai probably has the best vision of anybody on this team, better than Joe Girard. Howard Washington, maybe, but Dolajai's made a couple of plays where he gets the ball in the post, and either he goes up for a basket, which is actually a big step for Dolajai. That's not something we've always seen him He's do. really added to his offensive game, yeah, his offensive he, arsenal. He's averaging 10 points a game, which is... Not No slouch effort for a team that has desperately needed a big man. But what he's done is, I, I've seen it a couple of, couple of times, he did it in the pit game as well. He catches the ball in the post and immediately fires a pass to Joe Girard for a wide-open three. Girard's first three of the game to really get him going against Pitt when that game was getting a little too close for comfort and spurring Syracuse to that victory. And I asked Dolajai after the game, I said, well, are you just looking for a pass or what is your thinking in that and he said you know I'm just making the best play the right play Dojai has something that a lot of the guys on this team don't which is just a very very high basketball IQ he's also a leader he's a guy that you know he gets the crowd going number one he's a fan favorite but what you said I think is especially true pretty much every possession and I wrote an article about how important Mark Dolajai was earlier this week you can find it on orangefizz.net but 
every possession for Syracuse, pretty much, almost every one, starts the exact same way. Joe Girard goes over the half-court line, comes over, goes dribble handoff to Mark Dolajai, who then sets a screen as he makes the catch, and then he's in the high post and is able to distribute to wherever he sees fit. As the best, I think, like you said, vision on the team, he doesn't necessarily have the most assists on this team, but he really is that key kind of catalyst to the entire offense, and he's putting up, you know, ridiculous numbers this season. It's not like it's used to be, oh, Mark does all the little things well. He doesn't really show up show up in the stat sheet all that often. You know, he's one of those intangible players that you're not going to see a big stat sheet stuff from every single game. But go back to that pick game, as good as Buddy Beheim was in the win over the Panthers back last Saturday, Mark Dolzhai had 17 points. I mean, if you can get 17 out of Dolzhai, that is massive moving forward. Yeah, and he's a guy who's averaging 10 points a game, 7 rebounds a game. He's very, he's been very, very consistent this year. And what I like seeing out of Dolajai, which kind of goes under the radar sometimes, is he he gets out and runs on these fast breaks. And it's not that he's looking to, all right, I'll catch the rebound, give it to Joe Girard, and then go down court. No, he's going coast to coast himself, taking the ball all the way to the hoop sometimes when he can. And assistant coach Adrian Autry told us that, um, you know, Merrick Dolajai played some point guard with the Slovakian national team. So he's got some experience handling the ball, which... Not many 6'10 big men do. It's just the versatility of Dolajai. Look, he's still evolving as a scorer. I'm very excited to see what he can do next year. I think he can make that leap to maybe a 15-point-per-game guy. But, yeah, he does all the little things, JD, but he dribbles well. He passes well. He's still working on that shot. It's still there. Elijah Hughes said the biggest thing with Dolajai versus years past is he's just more confident than he's ever been, and that goes to, into what you were saying about him evolving into a team leader this year. He's third on the team in assists this season with 63 across 21 games. Wow. So that's just a little bit over or a little bit under. No, it's right it's at three, three a three game. game. Yeah. I, I can do math. I can do math. I mean, he's just he's kind of doing it all. Ten points, seven rebounds, and three assists per game. And, and you just saw how everything kind of folded once Dolajai came out of the game. Barama Sidibe fouled out soon after. And then, like I said, unfortunately, and I don't think this is entirely his fault, Jesse Edwards having to play significant minutes that late in the game against a good Clemson team is not a favorable situation for a true freshman to be in. No, he's just not ready. And Jim Beheim said this a couple weeks ago when he was trying to play Jesse Edwards and then Edwards' play tapered off. He said in his press conference, look, this guy's just not ready. And fans have been clamoring for Jesse Edwards than we saw against Clemson. Yeah, you know what? After 45 years here, Jim Beheim knows a little bit about what he's talking about. Jesse Edwards just, like you said, J.D., looked lost. He had one rebound, I think a turnover and two fouls against Clemson and six minutes of action. And one of those turnovers, he just flat-out dropped a pass to him right under the hoop. Another time, he looked to pass it instead of go up when he was wide open under the basket. A lot of it's just confidence I think playing time and he's a freshman he'll get better but this season he's just not going to be ready keep in mind toward the end of that game against Clemson after Sidibe fouled out and Edwards was forced in you had three true freshmen on the floor in crunch time minutes in an ACC road game can't do it yes one of them is Joe Girard he is a starter he plays crunch time minutes frequently Quincy Garrier plays more for Crunch time minutes than Jesse Edwards, but probably fewer than Joe Girard. And then Jesse Edwards has never played crunch time minutes the entire season. 
And I think that kind of led to some execution issues down the stretch. And I was also a little bit baffled with some of the play calling uh, down the stretch as well. Number one, when it was, I think, what was it, 1.1 seconds left, you're down after you, well, no, let's go actually go back to the play before that where you just completely break down in transition defense, can't stop the ball, and they get an easy bucket to take the lead at 71-70. There was bad execution on the offensive end on that play before. You're looking to add to the lead, and Joe Girard just goes pretty much iso to the bucket. How does Elijah Hughes not touch the ball in that possession, trying to go up from a one-point lead to increasing that lead? So I didn't like the execution there. Clemson goes down. They take the lead on the layup. And then you have 1.1 seconds left. Why is the call baseball pass 94 feet down the floor to try to find Elijah Hughes? I get it. I get it. Joe Girard was an all-state quarterback in high school. You have faith for him to make that pass. But to me, you just got to get Elijah going. Basically, just let him heave it from half court. I mean, that was a. I think that had a better chance of going down than the shot they tried to create off the football pass. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, I like Joe Girard trying to be the guy and take these shots. I like his confidence. He's somewhat of a team leader, which you really that's unheard of out of a true freshman. But he has to know that in this situation, when he when he had that ISO shot, he's got to pass it up and give it to the veterans and Elijah Hughes there. He cannot take the shot. He's not the guy this year. He's not the guy that Syracuse needs to go to. He's not the best shooter on this team. He's not the best scorer. He's got to find the best player on the court in that situation. And I get it. They were doubling Elijah, as they should have. I mean, he at that point, he was the leading scorer in the ACC. I want to say Jordan Wara ended up passing him at some point this week, but... Just execution down the stretch of that Clemson game. The play calling down the stretch of that Clemson game left a little bit to be desired. Plus, you don't have a guy that really is kind of the key to unlocking it all in Mark Dolajai for the last eight minutes. And, you know, that's where the winning streak kind of comes to an end. Five games in a row. Could have been six heading into tonight's matchup against Duke. An 8 o'clock start inside the Dome. And speaking of... Of that matchup now trying to erase this one-game losing streak. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll break down everything you need to know about the Duke Blue Devils, about this matchup, and how important it is for Syracuse's NCAA tournament chances. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz getting you ready for the biggest game of the season, most likely, definitely at this point, after Syracuse has lost to Clemson, it's the Duke Blue Devils coming to town, the number nine team of the country, probably the most talented team in the ACC just in terms of the guys they're going to run at you. And this is just a, a huge game in every way possible. It's going to be a packed house. It's in primetime at 8 o'clock. There, I've heard possibly 34,000 people. It's going to be the biggest on-campus crowd of the season. I remember the atmosphere against Duke last year when Syracuse was trying to pull off back-to-back wins against the Blue Devils. It was wild then. I think Syracuse is a, honestly in a better spot than they – I don't know. It's hard to tell if they're in a better spot now than they were at this time last year. But this atmosphere for this game is always crazy, and it's going to be important for the crowd to get behind this team because Duke is really, really good. Well, I think this team is going to come out angry because of that loss to Clemson. I don't know what's better if you're coming off a six-game winning streak heading into the Duke game for the team or if you had your five-game winning streak just snapped by a team that you should have beat that came back and beat you on a buzzer beater and you've just been mad at practice all week and you get to play 
maybe a quote unquote rivalry game. We can talk about that a little bit later. Whoa, but, I mean, yeah, it, but they're going to rival. Here, here's my here's my take on the rivalry. It's a rivalry game for Syracuse. It, it is not a rivalry game for Duke. 100%. Duke's probably got four more teams they're more concerned about than Syracuse. I mean, North Carolina, number one, who yeah. they should wipe the floor with this year oh, because yeah. UNC is way down. Even if Cole Anthony comes back, they're still bad. And that I, I'd say NC State's probably a yes, bigger game. I mean, you're from North Carolina. I, I mean, these these games, are, this game doesn't really matter to Duke, but it matters to Syracuse, and it matters a lot. And it's because Syracuse is in a position now where you're coming off the five game winning streak. You've lost one. You've got your first ACC road loss of the season, and really because you put yourself in a poor situation uh, during non conference play and in the early part of conference play. You've kind of got to win a lot of games here down the stretch to put yourselves in a position to get into the NCAA tournament. And I think it's three teams that are head and shoulders above the rest in the ACC. One of them is Duke, one of them is Louisville, one of them is Florida State. You've got each of those three teams once over the next, what, two weeks? This starts a massive stretch where I think you've got to win at least one, maybe two of those games to get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, from February 1st to February 19th, J.D., you mentioned they play Florida State, Louisville, Duke. They also have Wake Forest and NC State in there. NC State's a big game, but this Duke game, this is kind of Syracuse's fan- chance to get off on a on the right foot heading into this absolutely vital stretch for their season and tournament hopes. And Duke's going to run a lot of guys at you. They run nine guys, ten if Wendell Moore plays. He's not going to play today. He's still recovering from a hand injury, but unlike Syracuse, who's Again, a very just they kind of run five, six, maybe seven guys at you like they generally do. Duke and Coach K are going to run a ton of guys at you. One of those guys, of course, is Mr. Vernon Carey. Yeah, he's an ACC Player of the Year candidate. I think it's a three-man race at this point, including Elijah Hughes uh, and then Jordan Wara of Louisville. But this kid is just putting up monster numbers, and he's and he's doing it when he's not even playing that much. He's playing just a little over half the game. He's playing 24 and a half minutes per game. He's averaging 17 points and eight and a half rebounds. He's shooting almost 60 percent from the floor. And he's not a good free throw shooter, so maybe that's a strategy that uh, when you get into trouble, foul him. But even then, Syracuse has had foul trouble. Uh, you know, all season, and that was really the I think the reason they lost the Clemson game, like we talked about earlier in the show. But when when you look at this team, it, it's it's all Vernon Carey in terms of the way this team matches up against Syracuse because they've had so many struggles. There are a lot of other good players on this team: Trey Jones, Cassius Stanley, Matthew Hurt, all former five star recruits. But because of Syracuse's struggles against Bigs this season, I think Vernon Carey is the key to this entire game. I think Trey Jones in this game is getting a little bit overlooked. He's he's only a sophomore, but anybody who's not a freshman at Duke seems like kind of a veteran, and that's what Trey Jones is. I'm I'm concerned for how Joe Girard is going to match up against Trey Jones. Jones is bigger, obviously. He's been there longer. He's more experienced. Joe Girard's done all right, but this might be his toughest match so far in ACC play. I'm not so worried about Joe matching up with him when Joe's playing defense. I'm more worried about when Joe's playing offense because the kind of calling card of Trey Jones, excellent perimeter defender, sticks on you like glue. And I honestly think that when he hurt himself in the upset at Cameron Indoor last year for Syracuse, that was a huge part of the reason why the Orange were able to pull out that win. He is such a vital part of what this Duke team does. Another thing to look out for Duke, 
They're the second-best rebounding team in the ACC. During the five-game winning streak, Syracuse was excellent on the glass. Against Clemson, not so much. They got out-rebounded pretty badly by the Tigers. Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge issue, and like we mentioned, with a guy as big and as talented as Vernon Carey and with just Barama Sidibe at the center position, I, th- I just... He's given up 60 pounds. Yeah, that, like... We have our problems with Barama Sidibe, and Syracuse fans have their problems with Barama Sidibe, but you can't really fault him if he's got if Vernon Carey's going against him and has 60 pounds on him as a five-star recruit. Sidibe, there's not a whole lot he can do against him. I mean, I, I think the best thing for Syracuse in this game is really that Vernon Carey doesn't play a whole lot of the game. He plays 24 and a half minutes. So when he's off the floor, maybe that's an opportunity where you give Sidibe a breather, get him off the floor so he doesn't pick up more fouls, maybe maybe run more Quincy Garrier and Dolajai at the bigs? Yeah, it's possible. I, I mean, it's it's just going to be tough to match up with him no matter what you run out there. It's not like Barama Sidibe is more skilled, but he's smaller and there's a big, bulking, physical dude coming right. off the bench for Syracuse. I mean, Barama Sidibe is the biggest big Syracuse has, like, Jesse Edwards is 6'11 and probably about the same weight, if not a little bit skinnier than Sidibe. Mark Dolishai is certainly smaller than Barama Sidibe. And it's not like Quincy Garrier is going to be able to go one-on-one with Vernon Carey at any point in this game and, and be able to kind of take him away. I, I, would, I will say the one thing that's important uh, in this game is that it's a young player playing against his own that he's not going to see very often. The big guys that have kind of beaten up on Syracuse this season, most especially John Mooney, very experienced guy. He's played against the zone in the past. And we know that, you know, zone the zone, especially the Syracuse zone, gives young players fits. But I just think the entire game hinges on how well you can contain Vernon Carey. I don't think that he's going to be able to be stopped. It's kind of that old adage, you can't stop him, but you can contain him. And then you got to make sure that the other guys don't hurt you because it's not like Vernon Carey's far and away the best player on this team. There's nobody else that can even touch him. Trey Jones, former five-star. Cassius Stanley, five-star. Matthew Hurt, five-star. Alex O'Connell has torched you in the past. Joey Baker's an excellent player off the bench. Jordan Goldwire's one of the more underrated guards, one of the more underrated players in the ACC. This is a team that just runs so much talent at you. And you said earlier they play 10 guys over 10 minutes a game when everybody's healthy. Wendell Moore's not going to play, but you're still going to see nine guys play at least double-digit minutes. And Syracuse already looked kind of tired against Clemson. They were short-arming some shots. They were shorting shots off the front of the rim. These are tired legs, only a couple of days off, going into the biggest game of the season. And I just think this Duke team presents a lot of matchup issues for Syracuse, more than the and, the and on top of the fact that they're one of the most talented teams in the ACC. Well, that's what happens when Elijah Hughes and Buddy Bayheim are both playing 40 minutes against Clemson, playing basically 40 minutes every game. Joe Girard, he's playing around 35 every game. He played 34 against Clemson. Duke is just, they're, every single year, they're a more talented team and they're much much deeper JD like you said than this Syracuse team and and the Oranges don't have any other options if these guys aren't playing well or if they're tired well oh well too bad yeah that's figure it out it's funny I was at the I was at the women's game on Thursday night and it was a huge win for the Syracuse women's team came back from down 16 to beat Virginia Tech pretty much at the buzzer and 
you know, Kiara Lewis, the star guard for Syracuse, was asked, you know, you're playing 40 minutes a game. It's been like five, six games. You've done that in a row. You know, do you ever get tired? And she's like, I'm not going to lie. I get tired, but I know I've, I've got to play every minute because, you know, the team needs me. And that's kind of the way Eli and Buddy and, and Joe are. I think in this game, though, the key outside of – so defensively, you got to stop for her and carry. Offensively, for me, the key is somebody else has to have – a game other than Buddy and Eli. I think they're still going to get theirs. I understand that, you know, you're going up against Duke. They've got good perimeter defenders. But both of those guys are still t- – I, I think Joe Girard probably needs to have a big offensive game. In this game, luckily, he kind of got off the schneid a little bit toward the end of the Clemson game, hit those two probably, what, 40-foot three balls yeah. toward the end of the game to kind of keep Syracuse uh, in the lead. They ended up blowing it. But, you know, I just think he's got to have one of those JG3, like – I've got swagger. I've got confidence. I'm going to drop one on you when you when we really need it. I think he needs to have a big game. See, I dis- that's a lot of pressure to put on a freshman. I I disagree in with you on that one. I I mean, look, it'd be great if Joe Girard has a phenomenal game. I just don't see it happening against Trey Jones. I think the guy that needs to really step up and have 15, maybe 20 points is Merrick Dolajai in this game. And that's a lot to ask. It is a lot to ask. A he, lot. Had, he had 17 against Pitt. Do I think he can do that? And Pitt's a small team. Do I think that he can do that against Vernon Carey? No. Do I think that Elijah Hughes could nail a 75-foot-3 jumper at the buzzer at Duke last year? No. Syracuse to beat Duke every year. They need a little spark. They need a little magic. Something to go right. If these teams match up just evenly, Duke's going to win every single time. They need somebody that have a little magic, give a little spark in the Carey Dome, maybe some fans, the electricity in the state, in the arena, excuse me. I think Merrick Tolajai, and he's, this is his third season playing in this quote-unquote rivalry matchup for Syracuse, at least. He's the guy that, in my eyes at least, really needs to step up. Something special has to happen. I mean, last year it was, you know, the miracle shot, and Pascal Chukwu was the guy last yeah. year in the upset down at Cameron Indoor. He had, what, like 13-7, and seven, something, great, yeah. something really, you know, impressive from him. But this starts, like we said, a stretch where you've got, the three best teams in the ACC in your next five games, and then the on top of having to beat those teams, there aren't a lot of quality win opportunities left outside of those three teams. You play Wake Forest, who's the worst team in the ACC, after this Duke game next Saturday. They got a nice long stretch off before that that Wake game. Uh, and, and then you got NC State, Florida State, Louisville. But after that Louisville game, Georgia Tech, a team you destroyed, Pitt, a team you beat handedly. North Carolina's having their worst season in, in a long time. BC, you annihilated. And then Miami's another one of the worst teams in the ACC. Those are your last five games of the year. Quality wins are necessary for an NCAA tournament resume. And what's their best win right now? Virginia. And they're, and they're a bubble team at this point. The Cavs are not having a good season. And then the road wins against Virginia Tech and Notre Dame are good too. But those are your best wins right now. You've got to add some quality wins at some point this season. And, and at this point, Duke, Florida State, NC State, and Louisville, I really think are your only options left. you got to get at least one, two, maybe even three of those wins to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need to go on a, a nice little stretch here. What's interesting, though, is right now Syracuse is fourth in the ACC. If you maybe don't do so well in these in those big games, you have a really great stretch at the end of the year. You have some momentum going to the ACC tournament. 
maybe they can make a run there and the committee gives them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I just think at this point, this is a four, maybe five bid league right now. Looking yeah. at the strength of the Big Ten and the weakness of the ACC, I don't see this being a very big bid league for the NCAA tournament. This is a huge game coming up later today, 8 o'clock inside the Dome. We'll have your coverage. Follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz for updates throughout the night. Should be an absolute barn burner, a really fun one from inside the Dome, and we're excited to have all your coverage here on Orange Fizz. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Fizz Radio. When we come back, back I should say, Ooh, sometimes words are tough, Thomas. <laughs> We're going to talk a little Syracuse football because they picked up two huge commitments in the class of 2020. We'll break them both down when we come back. This is Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. All right, Thomas, we've talked some basketball. We know it's a big game against Duke. We've kind of, you know, hit the nail on the head. We know what's going on later tonight in the Dome. But let's talk a little bit about some Syracuse football. There's been a lot of ups and downs and new kind of coaches coming in, coming out, coming in. Still no defensive coordinator, but two new quarterback commits, something that Syracuse's 2020 class was desperately lacking coming into the week, and they ended up getting two of them in one weekend. Jacobian Morgan, a pro-style quarterback out of Canton, Mississippi, and Dylan Markowitz, a pro-style quarterback out of McKinney, Texas. I don't care if they're two stars, if they've never thrown a football before in their lives. Picking up a quarterback and just getting some bodies into the quarterback room is huge for the Orange. This has been a concern all recruiting class, and even last year when the 2019 class wasn't even finished up, people were looking towards this one saying, all right, well, you got to get that quarterback. you got to find that quarterback. Finally, after early National Signing Day, they get not just one but two. And what I find very interesting and also something I really like seeing is Dylan Markowitz commits two days after Jacoby and Morgan, which you kind of like to have that confidence, that swagger from your co- from your quarterback. Markowitz doing that to me shows that he's like, yeah, I know this guy committed. I don't care. I still think I can come in and beat him for the job. That's something I'm looking forward to seeing in the future. And I think just add some depth to this at this point to the quarterback room because Clayton Welch gone, Tommy DeVito back. You got David Summers is your backup quarterback. There were questions, oh, maybe they'll get De'Ara King because, you know, his high school head coach was the offensive. No, they were never going to get De'Ara King. He's now down in Miami in the ACC. But you, you get some depth behind Tommy DeVito because, honestly, as much as I love Rex Culpepper, and he is one of the strongest dudes I've ever seen in my entire life, having him be your third quarterback, that's that's no good. That's no good. Maybe even your second quarterback. You don't know where David Summers is going to end up. I like these pickups for Syracuse. Like I said, warm bodies are important. But these guys have some potential. Both of them have projectable size. Uh, Markowitz, the quarterback out of Texas, he's rated as a three-star recruit on 24-7 sports in 82.55. He's 6'4 215, big arm, has some mobility in the pocket. Uh, again, these are project guys. These aren't guys that are going to be perfect right away. But they're guys that you can kind of build up. Jacoby and Morgan, kind of similar stature, uh, half an inch few, half an inch shorter, I should say, 15 pounds lighter at 6'4", 200. But both of these guys put up, you know, video game numbers against maybe lesser competition. 
But numbers are numbers, no matter you know what way you slice it. And Tim Leonard wrote a great article about Markowitz and why we should be excited for this kid to get here and that he might be kind of a diamond in the rough. You look at what Eric Dungy was coming out of high school. He was he was nothing special coming out of Oregon, and then he put together you know one of the best seasons in program history two years ago, and is going to go down as one of the five best quarterbacks to ever play at Syracuse. Yeah, I mean you just never know. Eric Dungy was a three star. Uh, 24-7 Adam rated is an 86. Like you said, J.D. Markwitz is an 82.5, so not that much lower. Tommy DeVito was, you know, as we all know, a very highly touted four-star guy, so you never really know until these guys actually step foot on campus, till they start playing in games. A lot of the quarterback position isn't, we talk a lot about the big arm, it, which is a massive part of it, but Dungy never was that accurate of a quarterback. What he had was that grit, that toughness, that confidence, that leadership that you need to have as a quarterback. So, I mean, a lot of the mental aspects, not just the physical attributes, but really just how you are as a team leader, how you are organizing your guys, getting them on the field, setting up the plays, maybe saying, hey, oh, they're set up in this formation, we need to change it. The, the intangibles that you don't see, that you can't really rate, that's really important. So you never know. These guys are lowly graded, but maybe one of them really is a diamond in the rough, excuse me, like Dungy was. You know who else was a diamond in the rough? Who's that? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's playing for a Super Bowl tomorrow, and he ended up playing FCS at Eastern Illinois. For you know who his head coach was? Uh, does it have any relation with Syracuse? Yes, it does. Is it is it the current head coach of Syracuse? It is. It's Dino Babers. You know who his offensive coordinator was at Eastern Illinois? Is that Dino? No, it's the new offensive coordinator for Syracuse, Sterling Gilbert. These are two guys that know how to develop quarterbacks. They know how to put you in a position to succeed and get you to that next level of your potential. A big reason why, according to Mike McAllister of 24-7 Sports, he covers Syracuse for 24-7, a big reason why Markowitz came to Syracuse, went on a tour this weekend, and then committed right after was because Sterling Gilbert was in contact with him. These are guys that know how to develop quarterbacks. They understand how to unlock bits and pieces of players' potential. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was good enough to get drafted by Bill Belichick, the greatest quarterback the greatest coach in the history of the NFL, and then he won, ended up winning two Super Bowls as a backup to the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, and then now has a chance to win a third tomorrow against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And it's seeing those kind of success stories and this exciting offense that just gives me a little bit of hope. It just gives me a little bit of, you know, just a tiny skosh of possibility that these guys could turn into something special. Yeah, I mean, you just never know. I When you were talking about Jimmy G, I looked up the guy who's going to be facing, Patrick Mahomes, and we all know about his incredible athleticism. He was a three-star guy coming out of high school, so you just never really know with these guys. I'm not saying either of these guys are going to be Jimmy Garoppolo or Patrick Mahomes, but look, quarterbacks are probably, especially in high school, the hardest guys to evaluate in rate. So... Yeah, maybe they don't have the arm that Tommy DeVito had coming out of high school. But you just never know until they step on campus and show you what they've got. And when they get in the game, get the game plan, you know, see their preparation. And like you said, J.D., there's not many better to learn from than Dino Babers and Syracuse's offense. Dylan Markowitz, as well as Jacobian Morgan, are in a good spot. Guys that were kind of under-recruited. Let's see what Syracuse 
can do with them in the next couple of years. All right, time for one last quick break here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. When we come back, it's time for Fizz Feedback. It's time to have your voices heard from everything we put out on Twitter earlier in the week. That's coming up on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Putting a bow on things here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz. We got you ready for the Duke basketball game coming up later tonight, 8 o'clock inside the Dome. Should be a fun one. You can follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz for updates throughout the night. We talked a little bit about the Syracuse football recruiting class and the pickup of two big-time quarterback commits. Big-time not so much by the numbers but by the potential and what those guys can bring to the program. Now it's time for you guys to have your voices heard. It's time for Fizz Feedback here on The Score 1260. We had a little couple back and forth with you guys on Twitter throughout the week, but we want to get to the polls we had. Thomas, what is our first Fizz Feedback question? So the first Fizz Feedback is which player not named Buddy or Elijah is most important for Syracuse's success? The options are Joe Girard, Merrick Dolajai, Barama Sidibe, or other uh, comment below. We didn't get any comments below, and the winner by a wide margin is Merrick Dolajai with 77.6% of the vote. And JD, is Twitter getting more specific? Did they used to give decimal points? I don't think so. Twitter think improving. Too. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah. I agree with the... Yeah, I don't see how it could be anybody else. I think we've talked at length during this show about just how important Mark Dolajai is to this team's success, and I think you know the faltering down the stretch of the Clemson game was really indicative uh, of just you know the the value that he adds to this team. Yeah, no, I agree. He's uh, he's absolutely incredible. He's probably my favorite player on this team. He, just the vision. You and everybody else. I know, I know. Buddy Beheim's mine. Yeah, just, just, just for the record. Great, great pick too. And let's talk about some of those important guys with the game on the line. Who should be taking the final shot? Elijah Hughes, Buddy Behind, Joe Girard, or other? Comment below. Shocking number here. 0.8 percent said other. I don't know who that other would be because <laughs> we didn't get any comments. Um, but I, I, I don't see how it could possibly not be one of these guys in the winner by another landslide vote. 67.4 percent of the vote goes to Elijah Hughes, and I think we talked about this. I was a little disappointed that Hughes didn't have the ball in his hands in the critical moments against Clemson, aside from when that last play just completely fell apart and he had to chuck it, falling away from the bucket 40 feet away. you got to put the ball in your best player's hands down the stretch, and Elijah Hughes is far and away the best player on the team. Last year's Tyus battle, Elijah Hughes has stepped into this role this year. He's done it before. He'll do it again for this team. He's absolutely vital. Next year, it'll probably be Buddy Beheim, but for now, Elijah Hughes is the guy that needs to take that final shot. Our third Fizz feedback, how excited are you about Syracuse football's recruiting class? J.D., I was a little uh, shocked by yeah, me too. the answers. Great, tremendous class, got 2% of the vote. Pretty good class, 44.6% of the vote. Meh, 35.6%, and 17.8% with disappointed with this class. I can't believe 446 people percent of the vote said pretty good class. I lean somewhere between meh and disappointed with the class. I'm going to go meh on this one, I think. It's just, it's it, there's no there's no big draw to this class. I think the big draw was the guy you got in the transfer market, and that's Chris Blake, the uh, offensive lineman from Florida. And, and then I, I guess Latari Kinsler at the top of the class, the top guy. But after that, there's not a ton that gets me excited. I think Damian Alford's an intriguing prospect, a big possession-type receiver, kind of downfield threat out of Florida. He's somewhat exciting. But outside of that, I just think 
we talk about how Dino Babers has this infectious personality and that should bleed into recruiting. It just hasn't yet. I haven't really been impressed by a complete class quite yet for Dino Babers. So, I, I mean, it's just something kind of to keep our eyes on. Last Fizz feedback has to do with the game later tonight against Duke. What happens against Duke tonight? Syracuse wins big. Cardiac Q squeak by. Duke wins in a close game or Vernon Carey destroys SU. Very, very close vote, but another surprising winner. 35.3% of the vote goes to Cardiac Q squeak by. A win predicted by Fizz Nation. Yeah, I, I'm shocked by that one. I think I fall more under the Vernon Carey is going to just annihilate Brahms, Hadibe, and SU. I'm going to take Duke wins in a close game in this one. I think that Vernon Carey is going to be a little bit too much, but no more than I'd say a 12-point game inside the Dome. I think Syracuse comes out hungry and definitely puts up a fight. That game coming up at 8 o'clock later tonight inside the Dome. You can follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz for updates throughout. For Thomas Schultz, I'm J.D. Rochi saying so long, and we'll see you next time on Fizz Radio on the Sports 1260.